Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Pursuit of the Perfect Race. I'm Coach Terry Wilson, and with each episode, I bring stories of athletes to you that share their experiences at races in order for you to learn how to have your perfect race. We will hear stories from athletes of all ages, abilities, and races of all distances. So regardless of where you fit in, there's something in there for you. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the pursuit begin. So that's my normal job, you know, like everyone else, 
Pacific Forest this year. And you're seeing that you can dribble right out. How is this? How is this? That has stressed a lot as well. He has to make a joke that the Triple Crown went so well because it was a relief to be out there, like, getting away from stuff. Uh, it's a hard process. We have two kids. And um, it's been, you know, we're, we're being very respectful to each other, and we're trying to do what's best for the kids. So it's not like there is some kind of blowout moment. Um, we just, we've been married for 10 years. We grew apart. I mean, I was not an ultra runner when I met Chrissy, and, you know, we, we just grew apart slowly to the point where she realized she doesn't like the outdoors, and she doesn't really like running and you know, after my past four years, I would say my lifestyle's about the outdoors and it's about running. So, you know, I, I want her to be happy. I want the kids to grow up with, um, you know, a good household environment. So I think over the long run, right now it sucks, obviously, but over the long run, things will work themselves out. And, yeah, it was weird because, I mean, it was right around, it was before Leadville, so Silver Rush, if you ever in this year. Um, part of the reason that race went so well was probably because, again, I was just like, let me just get out of um, just that stress of trying to figure out a solution. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a long time uh, coming in and you know, it is what it is, but we're making um, good progress there. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was actually, I would say, what Bill or uh, Silver Rush 50 was a good benchmark when I said this level. I wanted to combine it with Last Call 50. I forget what I called it, something goofy, where I ran Silver Rush 50, got in my car, and then tried to do another 50 miler that's like an hour down the road. And it's so all of the race is above 10,000 feet for both. And uh, yeah, there's a huge amount of climb in it, but I ended up feeling so good during Silver Rush. I wanted to run some 10 hours because I'd never run a 50 miler on your 10 hours. And so I figured for my first one to be at super high altitude with climbing and like a pretty high level of difficulty, um, relatively speaking, it was just like, I'm never going to have this opportunity again. Like, I'm just going to hammer it a little bit. I probably hammered it a little too much because last call I got in maybe 30 miles and then I felt my ankle and I was just like, it's just not worth the injury right now. My focus is on the triple crown. So, pull the plug there, and yeah, I have, yeah, it's, it's been a heck of a ride, Bigfoot 200, it's uh, probably one of the best races in my whole life also, so kind of my fitness levels just like really taken off, and I can, I think honestly of everything I've done over the past four years, just making sure that my training doesn't get me injured has been hands down like the biggest improvement. So not only taking those easy days and seeing those hard efforts hard, but then being able to listen to my body super closely so that when I feel my muscle tension getting a little out of whack, I take a day off. I don't lose fitness from taking a day off. And most importantly, I don't set myself back six months 
with an injury, and have to start from ground level again. So I, I keep making these small iterative improvements that I keep hanging on to these small gains and then keep building and building. That's a lot. I'm not sure how to talk about that. That was really long. Um, so with the divorce being finalized, and you also want what's best for kids and now that they're talking a little bit more about the training going into all of this because you're doing some high-level events and some days and the first time they're in the Congress Marathon next year, which is 56 miles, but that's on the road. You're doing this on trail and you're going to two hours with high elevation, with a ton of elevation gain. And yeah. So I would say your fitness level is very high. I mean, it's the same as your antibiotics being respectful and you go on with them at the same rates. I don't know if it's quite there. And I do need to note that it was like a separation and that the divorce is still going to the week and stuff. So it's not finalized. No, but no, I appreciate it. I mean, uh, again, it's, I started off Silver Rush 50 at an easier pace because that wasn't my angle. So, yeah, I think my fitness is improving. I, I get it. I mean, if it's a 50K, I'm in that smack middle pack. I think my skill, my irritability, I think, is maybe the mental strength towards mile 150. That's, that's where I'm money in the bank. I, I have, yeah, I have mental clarity that's kind of rare in, in those later, like mile 200. I've been told by, by the aid station captain that that moment last year that I had the most mental clarity of any person he saw, he'd seen all day. Um, so I don't know where that comes from. It might be my, the way I process information and think is very visual. So this has been kind of my biggest shortcoming throughout my life. It doesn't help on standardized tests and all that stuff, but when you're in the heat of the moment trying to process things, like I'm very good at instantaneous, like, visual comprehension of things and problem-solving visually. Um, and honestly, David Goggins and I talked about it, and we, we might actually have that in common. Um, we, we both, you know, we're great students, but we've both figured out that our biggest shortcomings have probably helped us the most at this point. But yeah, at Moab 240, it, there is no perfect race um, with 200s. And I, I like that, you know, it's always a pursuit, so I have respect for the name of uh, what you've come up with. But yeah, the first 10 miles, I was running David Goggins. I was going to check out or check in uh, with David Goggins, which was kind of an out of body experience, but then to be just running at the same comfortable pace and we just found each other next to each other and chatted for 10 miles. And it was kind of surreal. Like he had to peel off and, and take a week. And for probably five or 10 minutes, I was like ahead of him, which if you find me like at, at the very top of the climb, like it was around mile 11, he passed me, and I looked over, and I'm like, I feel oddly, like, much more comfortable now that you're in front of me. <laughs> he kind of smirked over at me, like, this, this guy doesn't care. <laughs> so, uh, I know, well, I know, it's just, 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How much elevation gain? Between the alternative events, 650 miles, and I think it's 120,000 feet of gain of climbing tomorrow. That's a lot. So you have to make it out of your knowledge and you have to make it some good elevation gain in. Um, 
and super elite guys that can probably do all that climbing. But I know with Mike McKnight, and I were becoming pretty good friends at this point, he, he said to me something like he wants to use bowls like for every second of the triple or something to that effect. So it's silly not to. It's an, it's an advantage that you can transfer some of the toll on your lower body to your upper body. And over that distance, you need your legs for all those flat pounds. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize all that. Um, Moab is 30,000 feet again. So, people assume it's a flat desert. I, it's still actually more climbing than Everest, technically. It is a lot. Um, so, let's get into the good stuff here. You check in, hang over there in your body, and then. What all do you pick up at the expo or really packet pickup that you're doing? It's not really like it's that big. Yeah, it's small. It's not like your typical race. So, Destination Trail has like they have great events. Their paid stations are probably the best in the world. Um, and it's, yeah, it's more drop off, honestly. I mean, you pick up this duffel, which has become my joke because it's like good for the duffel. I have four, four duffel bags. I'm probably one of like, I don't know, less than 100 people in the world that have four duffel bags that are all like 200 mile plus duffel bags. <laughs> but yeah, you get your, you get your bib and, um, you know, they have little tents. So if you forgot, squirrels and the butter, which is like this anti chase stuff that I use, like, you know, pick something up there, um, pick up a hat or something. But, Mostly it's drop off your drop bags and then like do the pre-race briefing, which Candice Burke does really well and get ready. It's cool to catch up with people too. I think that's, these races are more about, it's a, it's a special community. It's a niche within a niche. Um, and so it's, you get to know everyone in the community. And I think the finish lines that these races are, if you sign up for your first 200 or whatever, set aside a day, you can have the time off work or whatever, just sit at the finish line and just soak it up and enjoy the community and clap for each person who comes in and sit down and have a beer because it's, it's special. Um, those, that community is just a different breed. What you say again? A different breed. When you say, sorry, but you say, take a day off, you really need another 24 hours because. Just for example, you finished in 84 hours, and there was people coming in at 111 hours, almost 111. Exactly. And, I mean, you can finish, you can finish, uh, and I would, I would add that the guy that won Moab 240 probably finished the day in front of me. So it's like all over the map. Um, I'm trying to think, not even really finished yet. That's exactly what I'm trying yeah, so, I mean, it's it's all over the place, but when you're sitting at that finish line and next, you know, next to, like, a campfire, like, I don't think anyone cares if finishing these is, like, a lifetime achievement. There's no clocks when you go through this finish line. Candace does this on purpose. Like, it's not a race, per se. It's, it's like, an achievement in itself just to finish any of these races. So, um... It's a cool community. It's a totally different mentality. And I think they are only going to continue to grow because we're all out there 
you for the experience. It is decent experience, that's for sure. So, uh, you're dropping your bags off. What are you putting in your, your bags and what checkpoints are you going to get these bags at? And what all have you done with them from experience? So, I mean, I use in a lot of these bags, it's like this is such a remote aid station, you're not going to have access to crew or pacers really. Um, and my diet, I, I don't know, I've just like developed this routine of using air perpetuum and air gels. So I'll automatically put that in with enduro lights. Um, there's a product called Fizz that you put in a, a water bottle. It's like a moon tablet, essentially. Um, it's actually the original tablet. Um, and I'll put in a change of socks and sometimes a change in shoes, but then also some other, like, extra stuff. So I throw in, like, uh, a hair bar, but then extra, like, kind of, you got to trick yourself. So I'll look at the mileage very closely, the time of day. So uh, maybe an energy drink. If I know I'm getting at the state station roughly, like, at a lower, like, night moment. So, and then look at the weather, temperatures, altitude. It's really complicated. Um, so, maybe like a warm base, base layer or a change of shirts, hats, like doing it a headlamp, uh, waist lamp. Um, yeah, so there's a lot that's going into each of those bags. That's actually why having a crew is so much easier because you can throw everything in one giant duffel and they will help you out in that big station as opposed to being out there all by yourself. So I did Bigfoot 200 without crew, without pacers, like solo, hardcore. Like when it's mile 190 and you need something, like you have to get out of the chair and like go get it yourself. Like I told you was reliant on a drop bags. Um, Tahoe 200 had support from crew, not much in pacing. Which was fine. Um, there's other stories that go with that race that were not, not drop bag related. But then, yeah, Moab 240, I realized we did three drop bags. And uh, it was more of eat a bar, had that exciting flavor that I did not put into any bags prior. So, like, kind of a bonus. Like, hey, you get, you get tropical, you need it here, knowing it has 25 milligrams of caffeine. And you can also have this, I don't know, some kind of bar that I would never normally eat, probably like a candy bar without the sugar, really. Um, and like, you know, stash or Red Bull or something. So like, I, I, I use those kind of mental tricks. So I'm excited to get to that mile 158 station because I know I have clean socks and a Red Bull waiting for me. Yeah. I mean, you say eight stations and that's a good morning and these aren't really like like your typical eight stations. These are anywhere between fifteen and twenty six miles apart. But yeah, it's like these are more like race talkies and problems. Exactly. And they have sleep tents also. So sleep's an element of these that no one really understands. Um, and yeah, they are the resupply because you think in terms of miles, and I think that's the biggest area to be. It took me almost a year to figure that out. It's not, this is 25 and a half miles between eight stations. This is 
Republican at that point. Like, it's zero degrees out. You have 30 liters of gear, and your bag's only 15 liters or whatever. Like, uh, you can only carry so much stuff. You know, the conditions, like, maybe there's snow on the ground. Like, it's just, uh, it's hard to explain. It's a totally different realm. So, so, uh, let's talk about the races stuff here. You get going, you get start off the first two miles with dogheads, and then you know, kind of peel off a little bit, and then you start doing your own race. And even within the first 30 miles, what's the atmosphere like, and what's the scenery like that you see and smell? So, it's kind of fun. You start off downtown Moab, so it's like some concrete for two or three miles, and then you get on this plush trail that I've done the race twice now. I knew, like, this is pretty much as good as it gets, so just enjoy it. I see, I always call them free miles, so you don't have to earn them, like, you're just enjoying them. And then, yeah, there's a big climb after the first aid station, maybe 1,500 feet of climb. And I got to that plateau, and it's kind of a pass that drops down onto slip rock, slip rock, and the front of the pack was actually right. I was at the same exact place as they were on that first climb. And none of them wanted to pass an epic night. So it's a weird train of seven people that were all scared to death, apparently, because, you know, Mike set course records uh, on both of the previous races, so no one wants to come in front of him. But I just don't know what for us to do. I mean, it's a huge embarrassment. He finished at 59 hours, the next person was at 70 hours. So it's 11 hours in front of that person. That's pretty embarrassing. I mean, he, yeah. Again, I, I, I think his triple crown this year is probably one of the best performances in all of running. So we'll see if that's recognized. I think it should be. Um, but yeah, yeah, he turned around and said hi to me, which is always a scary, a scary thing for me to know the fact to see at mile 10. Um, he's wearing these bright orange shorts. He's like, yeah, I'm not doing so great. Like, you know, I thought he might have given it all for the previous two races. Um, I thought I might even start running with him for a while, but he took off at the top of that plateau and the front of the pack took off and I knew to run within myself. Like, yeah, it would have been really fun to push my pace like maybe 30 seconds faster than I want for a mile, maybe a minute or a mile faster, but I, I intentionally stayed within myself because I knew the enormity of what I achieved for me. And you never, for a second, want to be beyond uh, your, your own capabilities. And so I found myself in this weird, alone area of not being in the front of the pack. Those guys were all running together, Goggins was up there too, and not anywhere close to the middle of the pack either. I think I was in 15th place um, for quite a while. And so, and I might have been even actually in front of backs all back the point in the race. Um, so I was in this lonely area with no headphones, and I, I utilized headphones heavily um, so I don't get bored, so that I can click into flow, and before, you know, before I know it, I'm actually, you know, miles ahead of uh, last time I was thinking. So I, I, I meditate while I run, and, but yeah, I hit this slick rock, and I was really hyper-focused in this one area where last year I almost rolled my ankle. And so I watched each footstep and just was having like this weird moment of like, 
So I just ran the first 10 miles with David Goggins at this race. Like, I still try to give over that experience just because they were family out. It was, it was a rare experience. It was a rare, rare experience. Yes, the same point now. Um, but then again, at the same time, I was like, the game. So he just went out. He's never retained as we run. He's like, yeah, like I did 205 in a 48 hour slot race. And I was like, damn, really? He has experience. Like, that pace was impressive. But, but they just did. Like, I wonder if I'll catch him eventually. Because it might not be for days, but I know how long this race is um, and how difficult those climbs are. So I just chilled out. Like, I was just having kind of a surreal time until that next day station, which was pretty early. It was like 17 miles in. And I told my, my crew there, like, slow me down. I need an extra five or ten minutes at that aid station because last year I didn't do that. And paid for it dearly. So I needed to know I had, like, a diversification of gels and bars. Like, I put them in different parts of my pack instead of one giant bag. Because I grabbed my whole bag and was totally out of my ordinary routines. And then I didn't have alternatives at the following aid station that I trained with. So my body for years has used the same exact nutrition. Like it, I know exactly, I don't have to think. I know every 45 minutes I'm eating a gel. I know every 15 minutes I'm sipping a perpetuum. It's I've done it so many times that I don't think about it. I can focus on how my body feels, so I balance hydration. Like, so if you practice, and I highly, highly recommend separating hydration and nutrition into separate uh, systems because there's so many variables for your race day, and you start combining those two into the same concept all of a sudden. Uh, you can't regulate them separately. Um, so, from day one, I've always believed in that system, and it's, it's always working for me. Um, this race, I'll be carrying two or three water bottles of recoil ounces, which uh, there were segments where that wasn't enough water. I, I ran out once or twice, and yeah, I had some issues. How long did you run out for? What issues did you have? Um, I don't know. It was like mile 150 where I ran out of water for four or five miles. So at least an hour in my left quad, I had like an acute sharp pain to the point where I thought I was like, I had torn it. And so of everything I brought to my G40, I didn't bring my damn salt like my normal enduro light caps. Like I always use the same thing. And I didn't bring those to use an off-brand salt well. And it's just didn't have that same makeup that I think I'm just accustomed to. So it's out of my element with hydration, but then not to have water. Um, I think I was missing a lot of the additional uh, electrolytes that I needed. So I don't know if it's an acute, like, muscle cramp in my quad, but it felt so sharp and nagging. But then, yeah, there's another segment, mile, it was a 22 and a half mile segment, 
from model 200 to 222. And for the last three or four models there, I ran out of water. I was feeling bad for myself. And then, you know, luckily I had maybe good perspective that I had to get to the finish line so that I could see Celia on her birthday. And then I was going to run out of daylight. So I started running. I mean, with that in mind, but then also out of desperation for water. Like, it's just the most efficient way to, like, suffer for 30, 35, 40 minutes of just being totally at, like, you take that last sip of water, and you're totally exposed, and it's like, well, hope I don't pass out. You know, like, I had a lot riding on, on the floor one day. I had a giant, like, very generous foundation that was at stake. It was stipulated on, I have to finish. So, yeah, like five figures, well, like, well in five figures, that, yeah, so, that last week of water was like, well, I'm doing everything I can. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah, it was like, we better just start picking up the pace, because, yeah, I felt like hiking, I could do the same thing, I just passed out. So exposed, so it was like one of those things I've learned from experience. I actually went back to um, Mohican 50 mile or Mohican, yeah, 50 miler running in 100 plus degrees and realizing like you can suffer less by suffering more for a short amount of time. It's like a weird concept, but yeah, it, it is, but I can't relate to that. Um, <laughs> so Let's talk about the mindset and stuff. Just anybody has a world class tape, even if like Paragon is sideways or Power and I is ready for more back than anything. I'd say you really killed the 240 pounds or the 230 pounds, but it's a single segment race and it takes a different mindset than the world that day. And why do you want to do the long 238 like this? And What's this mindset like that you want to discover more about yourself? I mean, I'd say self-discovery was a big part of me in ultra running. That was most of my first three years of running. So it wasn't, um, I wasn't out there running the 401k for pediatric cancer for self-discovery. You know, I, I love pushing my limits. So that was how I finished last year was, you know, running the longest race of my life by multiple, um, and really having, you know, moments of just awesome clarity, and this year, I mean, I don't know, like, once you have those moments that are what you're looking for within self-discovery, like, finding meditative flow states that are kind of the solution for me personally, like, now this was just a challenge. Like the triple crown seemed like pretty much the ultimate within ultra. Like I don't when I signed up for it, I didn't think there was to be this kind of a pinnacle within ultra running for distance. I mean, I don't having sixty-five days or sixty-eight days or whatever it is. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Does Kenny Reese just and then recover and then do another and then recover and then do another? I just, I thought it was a moment of, I, it was hard. Because after Milwaukee for you last year, what did you can top that, and I just thought it was a cool challenge in my training to get me out the door. I love having that carrot to work towards something, and that was the only thing I could find that was actually a motivational uh, source for me, so that's why I signed up for it, and probably the only time I'll ever have enough time to do that race, because it took all my vacation days, um, and yeah, it was... It was meaningful and exciting to push my personal limits when I signed up for it. But then once I started hearing more and more about Celia and, you know, once the fundraising efforts started, like, a lot of this, a lot of what I do now, like, all of 2019, all of 2019 has been about showing people you're capable of more. You can work a full-time job, have two kids, and somehow you can figure out training that's reasonable so that you're not totally in agony, you know, during a 50K or 50-miler. Um, but, yeah, I want to I inspire people. I want to motivate them. But I want them to find that intrinsic motivator within themselves. Like, I can, I can get you excited maybe with something on Instagram or whatever, like, or YouTube. Get you off that one run, maybe two, but and my ultimate goal is, you know, to try to figure out a way for you to have that self-discovery and be able to motivate yourself every day to start making healthy choices and get out for runs and enjoy life. Those things are too short. I agree. Um, so tell me about some of the low moments of the race. Maybe there was a few low moments. Yeah, it's expected in every 200. Um, and I would say first, getting to that mile 54 in station, breaking back, uh, I mean, it's happily made in place. It's so, it breaks me every time. <laughs> I feel bad every time. Um, 25 miles, just on your own in the desert, you're during the heat of the day. So it's about 80 degrees. It wasn't anything like scorching, but you're just out there all day exposed. Um, and yeah, so getting there, I took quite a bit of time to just like refocus. Um, and I run into that aid station for probably five miles into it, which, yeah, was a lot better than the year prior. But then, yeah, the next 15-mile segment, the first 10 were great. I was jogging, and then once the temperature dropped, my body just, it, like, sapped me of, of energy for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but I, I bonked for probably four or five miles into that mile, roughly 75, 8 station. And that's where I finally saw crew for the first time since mile 17. And... It was bad enough that I took a sick breath there. Like I took 40, yeah, I took like 30 or 45 minutes.
said that something was off for some reason. It, it was clearly, like, for me, when the sun went down, um, but I just, it was the cold that got to me. So I ate a bunch of food there, tried to get things going. We left. I left with, um, my kitchen chin there, and I just, I couldn't get into any kind of rhythm. We were going a mile. I was taking a seven-minute nap. Going a mile. I was taking a seven-minute nap. Like, it was just rough. We just pushed forward. It was definitely below the entire race. Um, pretty close to it. So how did you push me on that and say, okay, I'm going to get out of this long because everybody that does endurance events faces this task of getting out of the slumps and pulling themselves out and getting to the next high. How did you do that? I mean, I'm always looking for the middle path. So I'm like, if I know it's listen to your body, it takes experience, but know when you're in a high, know when you're in a low. And try to cap those, like try to try to smooth out. Um, if you're running, you're feeling really good. Take off your headphones or whatever, like put on some slower music, calm yourself down, because you're gonna burn through all your energy. Um, but yeah, I always tell myself when I'm in those low moments, I literally I think I pulled Kenny's a few times out there. I was like, I'm in a low. I recognize this is a low. This is temporary. We're gonna get through this. We just have to keep pushing forward, and we'll get through it. It sucks right now, but I know we'll be running later. And like you just from experience, I know how those systems work. So you go through the checkoff, like it's just hydration. No, it's not. It's freezing cold. I'm not dehydrated. Um, like is it food? It, it could be. Let's sit down on this rock. I'm gonna eat this bar right now. Give me two minutes on your clock or on your watch and I'm going to eat this gel, I'll eat this bar and let's keep going. And then when those two systems are, are functioning and you're still like your eye movement's not right you can't focus and it's last resort reset with sleeping for seven minutes is what I normally do. I've learned I've learned that because during Bigfoot I hurt on them. I can't remember I had it um, moments where I'd set my alarm for 20 minutes to take a nap in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and I would shoot up and look at my phone and it would have 13 minutes on it. And this happened like several times. So I realized like my body's natural uh, REM cycle, like a mini REM cycle was seven minutes. So go figure. But it's these like really short cat naps where I can go into a dream and come out of it and be totally refreshed. So with Jen at this low moment, we kept trying to reset my system, but it just wasn't, it wasn't resetting. So eventually we just logged into the next aid station called the islands. Um, Kyle Pitari is there, like one of the best and faster runners in the whole world, helping crew me. And she had his Jeep set up so that I could sleep there. And he was pushing me, like, take as much time as you want. Like, let's get to sleep here. Let's reset you. Because I needed a longer um, sleep reset. And so he did that. And that changed the course of the whole next segment. I think we slept for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, which is a lot of time during a race. Right. Um, but 
um, which he tried to map too, just to see if it worked for him. It's kind of risky. He was left there for three hours and. But yeah, that, that reset, I went into a dream, came out, and just started hiking faster and faster. Um, the descents were super painful, and yeah, I just, I kept pushing, we got to uh, the mile to go to aid station, and I, I started thinking about Celia, like, I gotta finish, I have, it's, this is a weird to say that I have like two or three cameramen, like I have everything planned out to try to capture this finish line. Um, it, was, it was part of kind of the deal on this donation too. So I was feeling the pressure later. I was feeling the pressure of, I mean, I don't want to show up at 11 o'clock at night and like Scaly and her sisters, you know, are in bed. Like, I, you know, yeah, I, I don't miss that whole opportunity because I thought that would be the most special finish line I've ever been at. And so I told people there at Kaiser Pass, I'm like, I'm ready to run. Like, I got here. Um, this wasn't easy. And I don't know why, but that, at that second, my quad pain went away. And I started freaking um, so I probably passed, I don't know, five or six people. I knew this segment, but it was rerouted differently from the previous year. So once I got onto the road section, I knew really well. Um, I was probably right around mile 210 for the race, so 218 for me personally. And I was like, I'm doing this. I'm going I'm to make this finish line before sunset. Like, I gotta make it to, to that finish line with daylight. And my pace went from 11 minutes to 10 to 9 to 8 to 7. And yeah, at one point I kicked it up to, I, was, I looked at my watch, I was running 635 pace. It, it was like, it was so cool. It was surreal. And I slowed it down, and I didn't want to totally go crazy, but I, I was on a grab. Um, this is the grade, it was the perfect descent grade. And yeah, I get the legs turning over. Maybe I reset my hydration um, for my body by getting that leg turnover and leg movement going. Um, I ran again, like, really, really well um, for eight or nine miles. Then I hit that. This road section that curves off, and like I knew, I knew it really well. Um, but eventually, I ran out of water with maybe three or four miles to go. Wow, that's Yeah, yeah. So again, I'm, I'm approaching mile 230 of my personal running. And yeah, like we talked about, I decided I need to just run. It sucks. I could pass out, like, here's my last swim of water I got. I was hoping 5K. You earn every one of these eight stations. Like, you, there's no easy, oh, like, just showing up to this eight station. Like, you earn every single one of these. It's almost the trip to 200 milers. Realize that when you think there's going to be an eight station, it gets another four or five miles away. Um, but, yeah, I picked up my pace, and then 
was so happy to see this cameraman because I knew, I, like, I was with a half mile. Um, and I just tried to book it. I needed water. I showed up there. It's just, just, like, violently shaky um, until I got my hot dehydrated. And it's weird. I had two hot dogs. I had a bloody nose. Okay. 
trails and 50 mile races, even 100 milers at Walmart. Um, you can go half a mile, you can go two miles sometimes without seeing a course marker or like a reassurance marker. So mentally, expect the unexpected, like going in with not such a rigid game plan that you're setting yourself up for failure. So know, know that your plan is rough and it's just a very like outline form because you're going to have mishaps. So go in with the problem, problem solving mindset and enjoy the experience. I mean, these are life changing races and anyone that even has the courage to sign up for one. I mean, I think that in itself is life changing. But yeah, I mean, it's not going to be perfect. There is absolutely no, you can always look back at a 200 miler and find errors. And I don't think there'll ever be a 200 mile trail race with this type of elevation gain and altitude and factors that would ever go as ideally. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my big advice. Expect to go off trail. You know, charge up your GPS, have those GPS. Um, have a guide app. Stop if you get your lost. Pull up your phone location and take one minute to save yourself. 20 minutes going off, way off trail. Um, again, it goes back to that like return on time uh, investment that you make. So, yeah, and then just don't be rigid on your, your planning. Like, if something goes awry at mile 50, you could finish on Tuesday. If you have an amazing segment at mile 120, you can finish on Sunday. Like, the, it's almost like the butterfly effect here. Like, you drop a bag of gels at mile 20, it can turn into a much, it can turn into a 12 hour longer race than this year. So, you kind of looking forward to the future, and you've got the triple crown, and you've got all your second lap. What's next for you? I don't know. Um, part of me really likes my P40. Um, Big's backyard. Uh, last main stand, I think is technically the main, is out there in October. I really, really like that format. Um, I'd like to try it. I might do one prior to it, but that, that is a on your own or an actual race. Well, I want to put one on also as an RD at some point, but um, no, I want to, uh, I, I want to be semi-competitive in that format. And I think having run six and a half minute mile per mile pace at mile 220, I think I actually have a weird ability to sustain. Um, it's just a matter of how bad do I bump. So you can take a seven minute nap in the middle of this format. You have to take seven minute naps if you get through the whole loop. And then, yeah, um, it's just a format that I think is fascinating. So you have like one hour to do 4.166 miles, and every hour they just reset and everyone goes back out. And so there's lap, you know, one person standing. So I love that format. And then in July, I signed up for California on Kane 330. 330 mile race with like 29 
So I just sign up for that one. And yeah, a lot of my race season next year is going to be determined on lotteries. So I'll probably start off, I don't know, I might throw in a race January, December, January, um, Black Union 100K, and then Western States Lottery. You know, Western States is like a huge goal. We're going to do it one time in my life, um, at least. And then I might toy with Leadman or Leadville, depending on lotteries and everything. And then UTMB, I think, is going to take priority. I have a 50 50 shot at um, that race out in Europe. I've got a 60 this is my second format. I got rejected or declined last year, so I think it's a 50 50 roughly. Um, I'm debating about one of the shorter races, but I've developed this rule that if you're in an airplane to go to a race, you have to run longer than the time you're in the airplane. That's my rule. So I'm not going to fly out to do a 50K. If I have to fly beyond six hours or whatever of that to get a ticket, like, um, yeah, so UTMB, it's going to be a long race, so I can actually run more than I'm in the airplane for. And let's see, that's a goofy rule, but uh, and I'm trying to think of anything else. Yeah, so next year, I mean, I think it's going to be extreme. And then 2021, I'm going in with running across the United States if 2020 goes well. Um, and it does a lot of logistics. What I'd like to do, I want to race David Goggins across the United States. Did you know about this? I reached out with the reply, understandably, I guess two million people following him. I emailed them to you, but what I would like to do is race across the United States on foot, point to point, like you pick a city to start in, pick a city to end, take whatever path you want, and uh, we both. We both either pick charities or pick a single charity. So I'd like to um, make that effort bigger than just me and it dates. Yeah, we talked about she's all about doing things for a greater purpose. So yes. um, it seems like this could be kind of a cool idea, but I don't know. Could like maybe by a month, which is fine. Which is totally fine, but I think. I think people would be fascinated seeing a normal dude that they can relate to compared to a Navy SEAL that is just with the opposite of a god. My brother just listened to that book, and I read it. He's like, yeah, I feel like it. And that's probably why I'm just doing like my, uh, my book stuff. Because I think people, I mean, as weird as it is, I mean, it's humbling that, you know, people are like, oh, if I can do that, I can probably do it. But I've, I've taken that with, uh, taken to heart, I guess. I mean, that's what I'm all about. I get, I get a message almost every day that, you know, someone says they, they read the book, they listen to the podcast, and, like, they never thought they'd themselves capable of becoming an ultra runner and thanking me because they lost 50 pounds or just ran their first 100 and yeah I, I just like that um, that's what I that's why I do this I don't, I don't do it for any other purpose and it's taken a lot to put myself out there it takes you know I 
And I'm actually kind of a 
Army, which is, you know, there's, there's this amazing um, perfection within imperfection. And so, you know, that shattered cup can actually be put back together, and sometimes it's more unique and beautiful than the original cup itself. So I think it's taking things with stride, realizing that there is no such thing as any perfect race when it comes to a lot of these alters, and that the real experience, the real beauty and perfection is from those low moments and how you got out of them at the finish line, meeting those people and developing those relationships, those are the special, perfect moments of, of a race. And so, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my philosophy on life, too, I guess. Well, Rob, I've enjoyed talking to you today for another half of an hour and a half. I wish you the best in the future. I look forward to following you next year to your 338 California man. Thank you. Yeah, all your being on your show. Thanks for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you were able to learn something from today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please take a minute to leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to see pictures from this athlete's race, learn more about who I am, what I'm doing, or be on the show yourself to share your story, check out my website at CoachTerryWilson.com. Until next time, continue the pursuit.